Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. This is an entertainment podcast, and the research we do may come from semi-unreliable sources. Welcome to Research Rebuttal Podcast. It's the podcast where two stubborn friends prove each other wrong. Each week, one of us will be the researcher, and one of us will be the guesser. I'm Rachel Teichman, and this is Paige Dempster. And today, we're going to learn all about puffins and pools. I'll be your guesser today, and Paige will be the researcher. Let's get rebutted. Hello. Hello? I almost did that, and I'm trying to stop doing that because we've done it like five times now. That's true. It's getting old. Hopefully, this will be the last of our like bird escapades on this podcast because we're talking about puffins right now. Yes. This is another one that Rachel requested. So, you know what? Let's just get into it. Let's do this. So, puffins are like more of an obscure bird. Like, I don't think everyone knows what a puffin is. Really? I don't think so, because, like, I didn't I didn't hear about them until I was, like, 14. I was like, oh, those exist. Hmm. So can you, like, quickly describe a puffin to our listeners? Okay, so a puffin is a small sort of wintry bird, and it often, but it doesn't have to. I mean, it can be in sort of, like, tropical-type climates as well, mm-hmm. and, um, and it's often mistaken for penguins. I've never heard of them being mistaken for penguins, but I totally get why they would be mistaken for penguins. Because they are little black and white stubby birds. Yeah. Um, a lot of these questions are like going in tandem with like a lot like a lot of the other bird questions, because there's only so many questions I can ask about birds. Aviation. Um how many species of puffins do you think there are? There's not a lot. Oh, okay. Um, are there like 10? Even less. Are there like six? Even less. Are you sure? I am positive. Maybe there's like four? There are three or four, depending on how far into the puffin discourse you are. Oh, I remember we talked briefly about this. We talked about penguin discourse two weeks ago. Yeah. Now we're on the puffin discourse, baby. Yeah, I'm here for it. So it is the tufted puffin, the horned puffin, and the Atlantic puffin. Those are the definite puffins, okay? At the ShopRite in Oakland, you can also get puffin muffins. I, first of all, yes, and I love that little muffin cart. Second of all, Drew Drew isn't working in the Oakland ShopRite anymore. Whomst? Drew, the Hello Shoprite Shoppers. 
What? He's working at, I just learned this yesterday. He's working in Warwick now. Really? And like my family and I have been theorizing that's why the open shop right has like gone to such shambles. Well, they Drew isn't there anymore. Well, it got sold. Different people own it. It's different management now. And so like yeah, Drew is different there, owners. Yeah. And he's not like hello shop right shoppers. And that just just brought down like the level of joy in the store. Yeah, honestly, like if you go to ShopRite and you don't hear hello ShopRite shoppers on sale this week, we have skirt steak perfect for your at-home barbecue. Don't forget to pick up a pint of Ben and Jerry's. <laughs> that was such a good <laughs> true impression. <laughs> well, I only grew up hearing it from the time I was born. Yeah, honestly, like... <laughs> such like a niche thing but if anyone goes to the Oakland New Jersey shop right between the years of 1999 and 2020 <laughs> you will remember the legend of Drew hello shop right shoppers who would come onto the intercom and go hello shop right shoppers and list off the sales for the week oh iconic I love Drew Miss Drew. Me too. He was um, so nice. Absolutely. I you, like you like he would walk around the store sometimes and he's just so friendly. I feel like we should send him this episode. We should do an episode about Drew. Yeah. <laughs> we should get him on the show. Oh my god. We Our should. We should get... we should do like a special grocery store episode. Oh my god. And we could ask him to do like the Hello Shop Right Shoppers. Could you imagine? That's like that's like when um Derek Jeter got um what's his name to to announce him uh like now at bat Derek Jeter. Yeah. Yeah, like like before he died. You know what else though? What? My mom's older brother and Drew were in the same grade and they both went to Indian Hills together. What? <laughs> I learned a lot yesterday. I had no idea. I also always forget your mom has a brother. Sometimes I do too, because I never met him. Yeah. But I got all of his mental illnesses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great. Thanks, Uncle Gary. Um... <laughs> okay, so there's also a bird called the rhinoceros auklet. Wow. Which is technically a puffin depending on how far into the puffin discourse you are. Is it part rhinoceros as well? No, it's called the rhinoceros auklet because like during breeding season, it grows like a, like basically a horn. Wow. Or I mean, I guess that's what scientists have been calling it. I guess it's more of like a polyp, who knows? A polyp. A polyp. Jackson polyp. (laughs) I don't (laughs) think that was his name. Um, but yeah, some sources are saying it's a puffin and some sources saying it's not a puffin. Um, so for now, let's just say there's three. I think there's four. I see we are on opposite ends of the puffin discourse. I see. Where do puffins live? They live in places like Madagascar and, um, Brazil and um like the parts of africa that are sort of near france and 
Antarctica. You are completely wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. First of all, you're thinking of Spain that's close to Africa, not France. Second of all... Hold up. Hold up. I am pulling up a map. Spain and Portugal and, like, Gibraltar are near Morocco. France is across the Mediterranean Sea. Okay. I'm looking at a map, and yes, Spain is much closer to Morocco, but France is, like, across the bay from Algeria. It's not a bay. It's a a sea. It is a sea. A sea is much larger than a bay. Okay, but, like, France is much closer to Northern Africa than, say, New Jersey to puerto rico listeners how far into the francis close to africa discourse are you okay let us know okay if you've ever read the stranger okay it's based in algeria on the coast of algeria like Uh and they speak french or back then they spoke french i think algeria is now much more muslim so i think they speak a lot more arabic but back then they were speaking french Maybe Algeria was a French colony for some time. Because they're close together. They're not that close together. And also puffins don't live there, so. Okay. They mostly live in northern coastal regions, specifically in Europe, um, sometimes in Greenland, Russia, Iceland, even like Canada and northern U.S. And actually Iceland is where 60% of all Atlantic puffins live. Oh, cute. Yeah, there's also a very small population of them living in Newfoundland, of all places. So maybe Leif Erikson saw some puffins. Danish, oh, I think. No, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a good plug to tell people to go listen to our American Discovery episode. Oh, Yeah. Where we talk about Christopher Columbus being a dickweed and also disco balls. Um, that <laughs> the second recording is also always more chaotic. Yeah, it's true. The rhinoceros oplet from like the last question uh, lives in the Aleutian Islands of Alaska mm. and like the whole western coast of the U.S. and Canada, and also the northeastern coasts of Asia. Mm. They're little Siberian dudes as well. Ah, yeah. I bet they can see Russia from their doorstep. Yeah, I wonder if Sarah Palin lives with puffins and like has shot them. <laughs> she probably has. Yeah. Um, how big are puffins' height and weight, like on average? Oh, so now we're getting into like Pokemon territory. Okay. Yeah. So puffins are relatively small, mm-hmm. like compared to penguins. And um, I would say that, like, an average puffin is, like, I don't know, around a foot to a foot and a half tall. Mm -hmm. And their weight, I feel like they're, like, like kind of deceptively heavy, right? Because they have to have some padding because it's kind of cold up there. Hmm. So, I don't know, maybe around seven pounds. You got the height pretty close. Like, do they fly? They don't fly, they do, do they? No, they, they do? do fly, yeah. Oh, then I guess they weigh less than seven pounds. I guess they're yeah. closer to, like, maybe, like, three and a half to four. Pretty close. They're about ten inches tall. 
Hmm. And because they do fly and they're little duders, uh, they usually only weigh like a little over a pound. Oh, okay. Yeah. How does a puffin hunt and what do they hunt? Uh, well, I imagine they hunt um, smaller birds and like insects and fish. They are seabirds. So they seabirds. So they usually hunt for like fish and small eels and plankton. That's their main diet, you know? Yeah. And how do you think they hunt? Uh by diving. Yeah. They'll like circle around where they think there's fish like a few hundred feet in the air, and then they'll like dive bomb into the water. Mm. (laughs) And then like they'll use their like penguin powers basically and they'll instead of like torpedoing around like a penguin though they'll flap their wings as fast as they can and like push their little footsies and it looks like they're flying but underwater which I found very cute that is very Um, cute yeah and they'll just move super super fast and they'll like chomp on a fish so puffins are basically the German cockroaches of the frozen bird variety. Yeah, they skitter around, but underwater. Love it. Yeah, they can also hold their breath for up to a minute. That's impressive. Yeah, for a little itty bitty puffin. Yeah. How many of these like small fish slash eels do you think they can carry in their beak at a time? Ooh, um, I mean, I guess it depends on the size of the fish and the eels, but... Um, I'm gonna say around four. Time to get rebutted. Is it more? Yeah, and it's like an oppressive amount. Wow, okay. <laughs> the thing about puffins is they have like weird tongues. Their tongues are like spiky and okay. like rough, kind of like a cat's almost, but like spikier. Love it. So when they when they catch a fish, they're able to like spear it and hold them, hold it down like with its tongue. Cool. And like if, if it like opens its mouth, it'll stay there. Hmm. so this lets them catch like a bunch of fish at a time because they can hold so many fish in their mouths so the average is like 10 fish per hunt wow and the record is 62 62 yeah and like for perspective the fish they're only like three or four inches these fish that they hunt most of the time but like a little 10 inch puffin with 62 four inch fish in its mouth that's ridiculous yeah what is a puffin's natural predator? Um, larger birds and like polar bears. Um, perhaps like walruses, seals, um, bears, fox, like winter dog kind of things. <laughs> Anything else that lives in the Arctic? Uh, penguins. The answer is larger birds ah. and only larger birds. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, there's two different types of gulls that prey on puffins. One is the great black backed gull, which like catches puffins by re- like counter dive bombing them from an even higher height, like when they're hunting. Mm. And the other is the herring gull which will either harass the puffin and steal its fish or, like, attack its nest and, like, take its eggs. Wow. 
Yeah, but the article I was reading said, like, don't worry, because overall, predators barely affect their population. Mm. So, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Now, I don't know if you remember this, but a few days ago, I sent you two pictures of puffins. Oh, let me pull those up. Yeah. Let me just exit full screen mode. Okay, I see these photos. Okay, now, could you quickly, like, describe the photos? Okay. Any particular order? Um, no. Okay. So there's two images that I'm looking at. One of them uh, has, like, a dark green background, and um, there's a yellow beak with, like, an orange tip of the yellow beak. Um, But then the other picture is sort of the opposite. The beak has, like, a black inner part with a reddish-orange tip. Um, the eye actually looks a little bit different. Um, although the shape of the white in the face is the same. Yeah, there's some obvious differences. Is one a female and one a male? Well, yeah, I was going to ask you, why do you think the beaks are different colors? Is that your answer? Yeah. And I think the one with like the first one with like the yellowy orange is male. Okay. So you're kind of in the right direction. Okay. The puffin with the brighter beak is actually in breeding season. Oh. Yeah, so in spring and summer, puffin beaks and feet, like, will turn this bright traffic cone orange and also get a lot bigger. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and supposedly the bigger and brighter the beak, the better the mate will be. Perhaps. Yeah, and then, like, once breeding season is over, all of, like, the extra beak that built up will kind of, like, molt off. And it'll return to being, like, that dull orange color. Interesting. Yeah. What is a puffin island? Uh, Is it an island that has been overtaken by puffins? Kind of, yeah. (laughs) Not not overtaken, but a puffin island is an island where puffins are known to flock and breed at. Oh. Yeah, so because this happens, like, many different places, there are at least nine puffin islands in the world right now. Oh, my God. Yeah, right. Are puffins endangered? Yes. They are not. Wow. Yeah. That's like the good news I needed today. Well, we'll get ready for some bad news. Oh. Their population has been on a steady decline because of overhunting and habitat destruction and exploitation. Oh. Yeah. So they're not endangered yet, but they're like on their way. Oh. There's more. Save the Uh, puffins. Save the puffins. They're hunted for their meat and feathers, and puffins are actually a staple of Icelandic and Faroese diets. That seems reasonable. Yeah, there's an abundance of puffins in, like, that region, like like we said at the beginning. So Mm -hmm. that's not the worrying part. The worrying part is actually when puffins get, like, eked out of the islands they once bred on because of like overhunting or accidentally introducing predators to the island or like oil spills or blah 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 oh no yeah there was one instance where there was like a significant puffin population in the gulf of maine uh that got like nearly wiped due to overhunting oh god yeah now are you but are you saying that if we went to maine we would see puffins there aren't nearly as many as there were but there's like one specific like, I think it might be an island off the coast of Maine mm. where there are puffins. Yeah. Now, are there any puffins, like, off the coast of New Jersey? They have been seen, like, as far down as, like, Southern California. 
Wow. So one can only hope, right? I'm Googling it right now because I gotta know. Yeah. There definitely has been Puffin in Maine. Yeah, I believe that because it's like so close to Canada. Yeah. Uh, so there ha- yeah, the Atlantic Puffin has been recorded in New Jersey. The Atlantic Puffin strikes again. Yeah, it's very exciting, actually. Those little dudes are everywhere, huh? Yeah, there's a Wikipedia article, list of birds of New Jersey. <laughs> cool. Oh, I had one more question, like, to help deter from the sad puffin in danger potential news. Okay. What is a baby puffin called? A puffling. It is called a puffling, yeah. Yeah. They're very cute, and, like, puffins usually only lay one egg at a tie, so you have to treasure them. I did not know that. Time for a word from our sponsors. Attention ShopRite shoppers. This week on Special, you can find our Puffin Muffins in the Puffin Muffin department, perfect for your mornings. Make sure to use your parchment paper when picking up your muffins. These muffins will make you fly. These muffins will give you superpowers. Puffin muffins will make you rich. No longer on sale because ShopRite sucks now. Brought to you by the American Citrus Council. Hi, welcome back. Hey. It's time for rapid fire. Here we go. I'm going to give Rachel one minute to answer as many questions as possible. And if you hear this noise, that means she got it right. And if you hear this noise, that means she got it wrong. Mm, you ready? Ready. What American state has the most Bigfoot sightings? Alaska. Name five different flowers. Rose. Uh, daisy, wildflower, crocus, and uh, morning glory. Okay, now name five different flowers, but the other kind of flower. Uh, okay, whole wheat, white whole wheat, spelt, um, all-purpose, self-rising. When did people start saying okay? Around the 1920s. Is petroleum jelly safe for the environment? No. What nationality is Shia LaBeouf? Canadian. When was pleather invented? 1902. What gases are farts made of? Sulfur. Did Albert Einstein ever work a blue-collar job? Oh, and methane. Okay. Well, guess we'll have to do that one next week because we're out of time. Okay. I like how I was able to list the um, cooking flour easier than the actual flowers. Rachel likes to bake. True. Mean loaf of banana bread you make. True. If anybody would like to order a banana bread, let me know. Call one eight hundred represent. But like, but like, actually though, you can email yeah, yeah, us. Yeah. yeah. DM Rachel or email us. Yeah. We're gonna talk about pools now. Oh my god, I love pools. So the first half of this is going to be like pools in general, and then the second half will be about rooftop pools. That's what we're here for. Yeah, it's the answer that like has been driving you up the wall. Yes. (laughs) For weeks now. Yes. Well, let's get into it. When was the first pool made? I mean, I mean, I feel like man-made pools have been around for a very, very long time. Yeah, like the first, you know, dug-in pool. How long ago was it? Since 
primitive shovels were invented, I guess. Probably, yeah. Uh, pools used for watering holes, bathing, or swimming date as far back as 2600 BCE. Mm. And the first elaborate pool was the Great Baths of Mohenjo-Daro, I think is how it's pronounced, mm-hmm. in Pakistan. And it likely served a religious purpose. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. I really like the videos of those guys, like, building a pool. I love those videos, yeah. And, like, primitive technology. Oh, love that part of YouTube. Yeah, oh my god, so good. Um, when was the first modern swimming pool popular popularized and by what country? Um, I would say sometime in the 1800s in um, Greece. Pretty close. It was probably in 1837, and it was actually by the British. Oh. Yeah, supposedly by this time, there were at least six indoor swimming pools complete with diving boards in London alone. Wow. Yeah, they actually invented something. (laughs) Who knew? (laughs) Do we have any British listeners? Yeah, I think we do have a couple. To the very few British listeners... I love you, and thank you for pools. Yes, thank you for pools. Um, What chemicals are used to clean a pool? Like, chlorine is one, but what's the other popular one? Salt. It's not salt. Well, there are saltwater pools. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah, other than chlorine, I'm not sure. I'll give you a hint. I don't know if this will help you that much, but it is an element on the periodic table. Nitrogen? You're very close. (laughs) carbon dioxide that's a, that's not on the periodic table oh yeah because it's a compound isn't it yeah i think it's like the one before nitrogen I estrogen think. that's the that's the one that the ladies and the vaginas get yeah <laughs> it's not on the periodic table um i don't know bromine oh bromine yeah i think it might be six on the periodic table and nitrogen is seven so i don't know i got a 78 in chemistry for anyone that was wondering yeah i'm pretty sure i got a c as well yeah um it's more expensive than chlorine but it's better for sensitive skin since it doesn't need to be added to the pool as often and it doesn't give off pool smell hmm And speaking of pool smell, where does pool smell come from? Um, It comes from when uh, chlorine interacts with air. You're super close, actually. Okay, it's when it interacts with water. Again, very close. When it interacts with oxygen. Still very close. Okay, tell me. It comes from something called chlorides, which is chlorine mixed with organic material. And in this case, organic material can be like human hair, human skin, oil, sweat, whatever else comes off of the human body. And so like a pool like treated with chlorine and like has never been swam in before would not have pool smell. Oh, so it only develops pool smell when people are in it? When like people or animals. Ah, yeah, it's, like, weird, right? So does does that mean that, like, the stronger the smell, the grosser the pool? Essentially, but, like, keep in mind that the chlorine is in there to, like, keep it sterile. And 
I don't know if this is 100% true, so, like, don't 100% believe this. I think, like, the process is, like, the chlorine binds to all of the nasties that come off of us to neutralize them. Okay. That's what makes the, that's, like, what turns them into chlorides. Okay. And so, like, that in and of itself, like, keeps the pool safer, you know? I'm not convinced that that's how it works. I'm not either, but what I do know is that a pool with pool smell is still safe to swim in. Okay. It's also going to get grosser, by the way. (laughs) I bet. How much pee is in the average swimming pool, and should you be concerned? I would say a lot. And I would say, um, no, you probably don't need to be concerned as long as the pool is being like cleaned and like fed chemicals regularly. According to the American Chemical Society, there's between one to three ounces of pee per person in a pool, like on average. Yeah, that's not surprising. Yeah. And And I do want to say I have never in my life peed in a pool i don't believe that nobody pees in a pool at some point nobody believes me but like i have never done that because it's such like a thing ingrained into my brain like if i'm sitting in warm water and if i have to pee you know what sometimes it's just not gonna get out you know what the bathing suit is heavy it's a long trek inside you gotta bring a towel with you then you feel guilty for getting water on the floor no i'm just gonna pee in the pool I yeah I'm familiar with like the annoyance of getting out but at the same time like you're in like a contained body of water that like other people are in and I that like we dip our faces into and you know what like my mom as a really young kid she told me don't pee in the pool like if you have to pee let me know and that has always just stuck with me my mom also told me not to pee in the pool, but I am a rule breaker. So I am not. Like, you know, if like if I gotta pee in the pool, I'm not gonna like do it next to someone. I'm gonna like, go retreat to the corner. But I mean like, it's still gonna dissipate. Yeah, but like at least it won't immediately be near someone. And like by then the chlorine will, you know, have done its chlorine thing. I Plus, pee is sterile. I'll have you it's know. It's not. Pee is it's not almost one hundred percent sterile. It's it's, but it's like it's not. We are doing a pee episode. I see. <laughs> not I for my next so. topic. We are doing pee. Uh, email us at researchrebuttalpodcast at gmail Do you pee in the pool? Why or why not? The American Chemical Society literally said urine is sterile. But that's not the. It's not true. It's not the case. It is true. It's it's not because yes, like your your own body is not totally sterile. You're and in, in a vacuum is sterile. I don't think that's true. Well, I think you're full of urine. <laughs> I did just drink a whole can of Diet Coke. Anyway, you can measure the exact amount of pee in a pool by using a chemical called asulfamine potassium, I think it's called. Okay, yeah. And as for whether or not you should be concerned, again, quote from the article, while urine itself is sterile, it can be harmful if left over time untreated. Yeah, yeah. So as long as you keep up with the cleaning, it's fine. Yeah, keeping up with the pool cleanings, like you keep up with the Kardashians. (laughs) 
what is an infinity pool an infinity pool is one of those pools that has like uh like a wave generator thingy built in so that um it's like an endless stream that you can swim in um yeah you got part of it right i'll read you like the wikipedia entry it's a swimming pool which produces a visual effect of water extending to the horizon vanishing or extending to quote infinity Often the water appears to fall into an ocean, lake, bay, or other similar body of water. The illusion is most effective when there is a significant change in elevation. So perhaps a rooftop pool. Oh. Here we're getting into it. Here we go. So what are the potential issues of having a pool on your roof? Earthquakes? (laughs) Perhaps. And like, what if? there's like a crack then like your building floods mm-hmm. um if someone is like too drunk maybe they'll fall off the building oh <laughs> remember to install fences <laughs> yeah um water is really heavy so kind of going back to what if it cracks mm-hmm. um and also like it might be more susceptible to birds Oh, yeah, I guess that makes sense. That's what I got. Okay. Well, you got you got them right, yeah. Um, but also, first and foremost, it costs a lot. I bet. Yeah, like between buying insurance and like possibly having to add on a bunch of structural integrity to a building, like to support the pool so it doesn't like get cracked and stuff. It also has to support however many gallons of water. Like you said, it's very heavy. It can cost like hundreds of thousands of dollars. I bet. Now, can you answer this question? Um, so I've never been in a rooftop pool, nor have I seen one in real life. Yeah. What is below? Like, is there a floor below the roof that's just like the pool floor? I think it varies between buildings. Okay. A lot of the images I saw, the roof is, like, made of, like, a different material almost. Yeah. And, like, there's, like, a lot of support structures. Mm. It's very strange. It's a very unique situation. Wow. Yeah. There's also, like, the possibility of leaks and, like, you have to get a bunch of permits. Right. And you can have, like, if it's, like, a private swimming pool, you can have run-ins with, like, the homeowner association. Oh, God. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know what? If Sharon complains about my rooftop pool, she doesn't get to come and use it. Fair. Backyard barbecue, Sharon is not invited. Great. We now get to the star question of the episode. Can you install rooftop swimming pools in earthquake-prone areas? Yes. Okay. You can. It is legal. It's just not a good idea. (laughs) But you can. You can. Okay, so to mitigate potential damage, it's recommended by, like, a lot of the websites I saw, build safety walls. Okay. And, like, around the pool itself, not just the rooftop. And, like I said before, add, like, a buttload of extra supports, both Mm -hmm. to the foundation and the roof, if you live in, like, an earthquake-prone area. Okay. That being said, preventative measures don't always work. Yeah, we know this. There was one instance in the Philippines where a 6.1 magnitude earthquake hit Manila 
which caused a skyscraper's rooftop pool to collapse and cascade down the side of a building. Jesus. I think that's like the juicy juicy we're looking for. I think so too. <laughs> is the failure of rooftop swimming pools. Um, what size of rooftop pool is more prone to damage during an earthquake? Small, medium, or large? Um, I guess large. According to one scientific study, and by the way, there is a scientific paper written on how rooftop pools are affected by earthquakes. Good. And I put it in the sources. Small pools are actually the most likely to be damaged. And oh. there's like a whole bunch of math involved with like how skyscrapers and tall buildings interact with the ground shaking horizontally and the building moving vertically and all that. Mm. But long story short, small because there's like less room for the water to acclimate basically and like which makes it shoot out of the pool wow yeah and that's all i got well thank you for listening to this episode of research rebuttal podcast you can find us on social media at research rebut on twitter and at research rebuttal podcast on instagram and facebook you can email us topic suggestions at researchrebellapodcast at gmail.com and let us know, um, have you ever seen a puffin in the wild and would you ever invest in a rooftop pool? And also, have you ever been in a rooftop pool? Yeah. What was that experience like? Yeah. Neither of us have been in one. We're curious. And... Uh, oh, also, like we said before, let us know if you pee in swimming pools. I do not, and um, Paige does, and we need to know if you do as well. Team pee in pool, where are you at? <laughs> uh, well, and oh, and Canadian listeners, thank you for your support. Uh, British listeners, thank you for your support. Yeah, I, honestly, any of our listeners, thank you for listening. And also, whatever bizarre inventions have come from your country. And American Citrus Council. We are expecting some all-inclusive resort packages coming our way. To Manila. Yes, to Manila. So we can go on the rooftop pool and then get just killed by an earthquake. Exactly. So uh, thanks for listening. Bye. Also, happy Easter. Bye. The last question I asked you, the salami one? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> 